I feel bad for anybody out there that was not an NBA fan this week because we got a string of thrillers and especially the all-time buzzer-beating, series-winning game shot I've ever seen from Damian Leonard to win, to clinch that series against OKC and get the Trailblazers into the second round. And alongside him is the Rockets, the 76ers, the Bucks, and the Sixers, who I'm Sixers, 76ers and Celtics, who are all headed to the second round, and possibly the Warriors, who are playing the Clippers right now as we're recording. I know, Sean, you're a little bit antsy about this one. I mean, somehow the Clippers are still in this game with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Hey, they're in this game. They're winning this game right now. They've been all winning, right. They've been winning most of the game, but. Man, it, it's going to be super close. I'm, yeah, I'm going to be like half distracted uh, for the first part of this podcast, glancing over at the TV. But, man, playoff basketball, man. Let's keep talking about it. I love it. Yeah, so as we know, Damian Leonard had that series-winning buzzer beater from who God knows where. Is that Was that a 40-footer <laughs> or a 35-footer? Yeah, all the way from outside the Moda Center. Right, exactly, from downtown <laughs> Portland. Nails yeah. it. Uh, so Damian Leonard is now the owner of two series winning buzzer beaters, two of them, 2019 and 2014 against the Houston Rockets. So there's only been five in NBA history. Sean, can you name one of the other four? Oh, man. Was that the Michael Jordan flu game? Wasn't that a series winning buzzer beater? So one of them, so one of them was Michael Jordan, but... Um, it wasn't the flu game. Oh, really? Oh, dang. Oh, well, I just say Michael Jordan then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I can't give – I'll give you, I guess, a half a point. But it uh, was it. Michael Jordan versus the Cleveland Cavaliers back in 1988, I believe. Let me let me make sure of that. But outside of that is also Ralph Sampson from the Houston Rockets back in 1986 Sam. against the L.A. Lakers. Oh, Michael Jordan against the Cavaliers in 1989. John Stockton in 1997 oh. against the Houston Rockets as well. So the Rockets just love getting series-winning buzzer beaters <laughs> nailed on them. Against as they've done them. it. <laughs> yeah, as it's now happened, well, twice against them and once against the Lakers. Uh, but oh Damian Leonard, owner of two of those, pretty impressive. Wow. That's extremely impressive. I think, I mean, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun on this or anything, but I think this cements him as the second-best point guard in the league right now. Oh, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, I mean, if we did a power ranking right now, carry on from the regular season and so on, who's still playing, yeah, it's Curry and then it's Damian Leonard. He has jumped. <laughs> right. Ir- Kyrie Irving, he's jumped Russell West. I mean, I think he jumped Russell Westbrook oh, probably he since jumped, game yeah. one. This series was a huge statement for Damian Lillard. Yeah, and he's the best. <laughs> he, he might just well be the MVP of the first round, I think. I mean, Giannis may be challenging a little bit, but... Damn, oh, 50 definitely. Points. 50 points with a game-winning 40-footer to win the series at home. And then that disgusting look he gave <laughs> afterwards, just like, you knew this was going to happen. Like, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. No respect, man. I love it. I yeah, the most love dis- it. <laughs> the most disrespectful <laughs> wave goodbye I have ever seen. Yeah, the wave, man. No emotion <laughs> even shown. He's just like, yeah, I knew I was going to kill these guys right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, total confidence just, like, going, dribbling up into that shot. I almost for a second there thought that maybe he didn't realize how much time was on the clock. I thought, oh, no, Damian Leonard thinks he's got three <laughs> more seconds than he really does because he was just not making any moves. Um, but lo and behold, he must have known 
from the point he crossed that half court line, he must have known that's the shot he's going to take. Like he just looked calm out there. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I've never seen someone willingly take a shot that deep with so much seconds left. It's like it's almost like he knew. It's like okay, Paul George is on me. If I'm gonna get space, I'm getting it out here. You know, <laughs> like he's not gonna see this coming. It's it's pretty brilliant, honestly, when you think about it. Yeah, true. But before we jump into that series, let's just talk about some quick points here. So the Suns have fired their head coach, Igor Kosokovic or Kosofok. How do you pronounce this man's <laughs> name, Sean? I'm gonna go with Kokoskov. Probably sounds more realistic than my we'll go at Co- Coco Pebbles over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I feel like this guy was. I feel a long time ago, I heard people say that I, it was probably just a total uh, Twitter rumor. But that the reason this guy was hired was to try to unlock Dragon Bender's ability or some hidden ability or something like that. But he goes out, and I think Dragon Bender's probably going to go out right behind him. But Yet another head coach goes down in the NBA, and it'll be a busy. Looks like it's going to be a busy uh, next set of months here as teams try to find their next head coach. Right. Yeah, and the guy they're looking at right now is uh, the highly coveted 76ers assistant Monty Williams, who also had an interview with the Lakers too. So it's going to be interesting to find out which head coaching job this guy actually takes. Uh, but I think the Suns felt like they had to put their hat in the ring here because. Igor, man, did nothing for this team. 19-63 and 63 record. And honestly, you had a lot of talent around you, and no one really expected the Suns to do super well this year. But at the same time, you won 19 games. 19 <laughs> games! It's like, how can you justify that season at all? And it's like, people have gotten fired for less. Like, David Yeager got fired with a 39-43 record. Yeah. So, I mean, when you, when you think about it, it's like, wow. Clippers are up five points. Yeah. I guess the underlying... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I totally just blindsided my own comment there, but this <laughs> game is crazy right now. Yeah. I think the underlying interesting thing here is that this will be Devin Booker's fifth NBA coach in five seasons. Um, God, That's crazy for this young guy. He's a point guard. He's a man. two guard. He's a scorer. Um, man, he's just going to end up doing everything for this uh, Phoenix Suns team. Man, I saw a tweet from someone. I, I forget it was like Matt Barnes or something. It's like, like something's like it's not the coach's fault. It's Sarver's fault. Like it's all on Sarver. That guy. That guy needs to sell the team. You're ruining Devin Booker's career. I mean, I kind of agree with that. This Phoenix owner is <laughs> terrible. He's so oh, bad. Yeah. He, this is not the first time we've heard bad things about Sarver. Yeah, he need. I mean, you talk about the most incompetent NBA owners. It's got to be Sarver and then maybe James Dolan and, dare I say, maybe Genie Bus right there at third place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, she's better than uh, her brothers were, that's for that's sure. True. But, yeah, but, I mean, when you start yeah, looking this... at bad teams, the NBA has to start looking at the NBA owners. I mean, you talk about right. competitive parity or the lack of it. It starts with the top. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got nothing to do with all-stars being free agents. I mean... There's a reason why everybody wants to play for the Warriors or for L.A. I mean, not only are they cool places, but the ownership is pretty stable. Um, Ownership shows that they care about building a good basketball team. And this guy has never really shown that he (laughs) wants to. He somehow landed Steve Nash. He got lucky, got Amari, but he he had good players to re-sign onto that team and decided not to do it. Right, and it's just like, you think about it, it's like the owner has no incentive to sell the team because he's just in it for a profit and to, like, 
boasts his ego, you know? It's like, oh, I own an NBA team. It's like, he doesn't really care. Right. And the f- you know, like, he's not like, oh, I'm not going to sell this for the good of the franchise. I'm the problem. That would never happen. Exactly. Yep. And, the, and I mean, he doesn't have to do anything. The Phoenix Suns can continue being a crappy team for the next 10 years. But because the <laughs> NBA just is just so such a, such a growing league, the value of the Phoenix Suns just naturally goes up as well. Right, even though it's like in comparison to other franchises, like it could be so much higher. Like, but hearkening back to the days that you mentioned, like Steve Nash and Stoudemire and those boys, yeah, like that team was one of the most valuable franchises in the NBA. They had a dynasty there, right? And now you have nothing really. Yeah, it's a shame, and I don't. It's going to be a tough situation to try to force this guy out if that's what the NBA wants to do. But I mean, if you can do it, I say go for it because this this is a disaster, and it seems like. There's no end in sight at this point. Um, but let's move on here to mm-hmm. Luke. Some unfortunate news here really coming out of left field. Luke Walton being sued for sexual assault by uh, former Spectrum reporter. I think she was also a Fox Sports reporter, uh, Kelly Tennant. Um, yeah. What do you think of this whole situation? <laughs> I mean... It's too early to know if, like, any of this is true or not. Like, all that's happened is the allegations have come out. So we kind of have to wait till a little more investigation happens into it. But the claim, basically, if you haven't heard, is that um, Walton and Tennant had a business relationship dating back several years, ever since he was an assistant coach on the Warriors. And uh, in one of her books that she was writing, she had Luke Walton write the foreword for it. Um, just, the, just like the beginning of the book. And so I guess Walton had a thing for her and like invited her up to his hotel room where he proceeded to allegedly force himself upon her and making sexual advances at her. And she resisted and he was being aggressive, allegedly. And um, after the incident happened, she was able to get out of the hotel room. Luckily, according to this story, they... Um, he continued to kind of make these advances at her and made her feel uncomfortable and made their business relationship really hard. But I mean, this is all of the allegations so far. Can't really take a side yet, but I mean, it's this looks nothing but bad for Luke Walton. Yeah, and the Sacramento Kings are just signed <laughs> this guy, acting like th- this was their guy the whole time, and now now the Lakers have dodged an immense bullet. Big a cannonball's worth of bullets. Yes, uh, getting rid of Luke Walton not after dealing with all this drama. Yeah, this it makes you think. Sort of maybe this was also an underlying reason for what looked to be an inevitable departure from Luke Walton for the from the Lakers. But the Lakers claim to not have not known about this case or this underlying build up to a case. Um, <laughs> wow, what a situation the Sacramento Holy Kings crap. have at their hands. Um, there's going to be a lot of court dates, and there's a lot of NBA games, so I'm going to guess Luke Walton's going to miss some of these games. Or, I mean, how do you prepare as a coach when you're also fighting against a criminal criminal case, or at least a criminal lawsuit? Yeah, right. It's it's unbelievable, man. I just I don't get it. I don't. Ah, oh, man. It's, these things just keep coming out. I don't. I don't know. Like. What's going on with these guys? I mean, I guess this is just like deep-rooted machismo <laughs> in a way, you know? Like yeah. this is just like how me- like male culture has evolved until now, luckily that like things are starting to become more equal. It's just like men felt like they could just dominate women <laughs> just cuz they're like bigger and stronger or whatever. And I mean, I really hope that there's nothing to this story and that it's hot air, but something tells me there might be something to it. Yeah, but basketball for basketball reasons here 
is not a good situation for the Sacramento Kings franchise, who's trying oh, to take step forward. This, this might, yeah, this might be what like ruins Vlade Divac's career as a GM. He almost, or as an owner, he almost did it. Mm-hmm. You know, as the president of basketball operations, he almost did it, and then you do this. You know, like this is your first signing under your contract extension. Good job with yeah. that. So just a quick update here. The Clippers have somehow found themselves up by seven with 20.6 <laughs> seconds no, to go. No, they won the game. They won the game. No, you're behind. Am I behind? It's, it's over. They won by eight. Wow. Yeah, they won by eight. LA yep. Clippers are headed to another game against the Warriors. Who would have thought? Two and one. Two and one in Oracle, bro. Two and one in Oracle. So this must be the first time the Warriors have lost an Oracle since. I mean, this is off the top of my head. It's got to have been since the Houston series. Or at least a playoff game, right? It's had to have been one right. of the games against Houston back in last year, 20, yeah. 2018. This is crazy. I I honestly did not see this coming. And, hey. This fulfills my four and two prediction. It does right here. <laughs> so I'll give you that. I mean, I was almost. Oh my I'm, gosh! Did not see it happening this way. Yeah, who would have thought that the one I was going to be wrong about was going to be this one? <laughs> <laughs> How crazy is this? Right. Three and two right now, Warriors. Three two Warriors right now. Clippers take home another win in Oracle. They want. They were winning most of this game. Honestly, Mm -hmm. there was only one point in the fourth quarter where the Warriors that were winning by one, but then Lou Williams drilled a three to put the Clippers back up for the rest of the game. Yeah, the Warriors just looked gassed in that third quarter. They could not keep up. And, I mean, Durant put a a strong run in there to start the fourth. Um, He had a four-point play at one point, and it looked like that was— No, Kevin Durant had an amazing game. Yeah. He he had an amazing game. They survived that. They somehow survived (laughs) that. Here we go, three two. I know we're we're like we're like speechless right now. This is crazy, yeah, I man. Want... Like no one, like everyone thought the Clippers were going to get swept, but like I think this speaks so much to like just the drive, the great coaching, the energy this team plays with. That's something that you can't really replicate. You know, that's not something you can teach. It's just these guys are just they all play for each other, you know? So we're he- they just play with so much more heart than a lot of these teams. Yeah, so we're headed to a game 6. You wouldn't know Lou Williams's uh final stat line here off the top of your head, do you? Not off the top of my head, but I just saw Montrez Harrell had 24 points, 5 rebounds on like 11 of 14. Well, he shooting. didn't miss a shot until like I think the end of the third quarter. I know. Right? Like how crazy is that, man? But yeah, Lou Williams had an amazing game this game. I, he he was as clutch as he was in game two. That um, he ended up with uh, thirty three points and ten assists on twelve of nineteen shooting. That's a good stat. That's a solid stat. <laughs> That's what they need, man. And then you know you know what? Pat Beverly had seventeen points, fourteen rebounds, and five assists. Fourteen rebounds. The man is six Pat three. Beverly. <laughs> He's six. He's one. six one. Oh yeah. <laughs> he had four. He he led all players in rebounds in this game. <laughs> you got to think that that DeMarcus Cousins injury is just giving some new life here. Uh, like Kevin Looney, I saw oh a couple gosh. plays there. Kevin Looney just not able to finish on the basket. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, dude, Andrew Bogut's just lumbering around. Right, out this there. this Warrior team might just not be as strong as we think it is, and that might be the X factor right there. I know that missing that man in the middle. Dude, this is good. We're just making them a little more tired. They're going to have to play the Rockets, who are going to be well-rested for that series. 
Oh, man. This is a great recipe right here. The Clippers, even if they don't win the series, they are doing the league a service right now by making the Warriors Maybe work. they make them pick up a couple more technicals as well. I know, yeah. Like, Draymond already got another technical in this game, Pat Be- courtesy of Patrick Beverly, obviously. So, with the count, is Draymond Green at two, right? And De- Kevin Durant at two? Or is he at one? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I feel like Kevin Durant's at two. I, th- I feel like he got one in both of the first two games. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'd have to check on that. I'm right, this track. is exciting. We're headed to a game six in but, L.A., hey, Staples yeah. Center. This <laughs> <laughs> We have to win it. We went zero and two at home. We have to win. I one guess at home. historically speaking, yeah. The problem is the problem is when you go. So I went to game four. The problem is there's half Warriors fans <laughs> at these freaking Staples Center games. So it's like it's not even that much of an advantage, which is probably why the Clippers are able to play just as well, if not better. They're just constantly on the road. <laughs> really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems like it man when i was walking through the arena walking around staples center man i swear i saw way more warriors jerseys than any clippers <laughs> memorabilia that's sad like yeah. it, it's kind of ridiculous but i mean it's to be expected you know it's like the warriors have built themselves a nice bandwagon <laughs> franchise yeah. and yeah the clippers obviously don't even own la so I mean, they're making their way, though, man. I gotta they're making their I, way. Like, you got to give this team Yeah, if I'm in so L.A., I go to this game, game six. I have to, even if I'm a, even as a Laker fan. Oh, definitely. Come on, man. Yeah. Hey, I saw some Laker jerseys <laughs> at the Clipper game, too, for sure. Just wishful thinking <laughs> or something. Man, we were, we were up in game four, too. It was We were up five in the third quarter, and then they just let it go pretty Yeah, quick. and it looked like... Um, Man. Yeah. Well, game six. Let's see how it goes. We'll see. Game six, man. I want to see. I want to see at least like fifty-one percent of Staples Center as a Clippers yeah. fan. Please. Please. I'll tell you what. Who's out. not going to a game six though? That's Oklahoma City. Let's jump back here with Oklahoma City against Portland because <laughs> this series. I mean, the Clippers <laughs> and the Warriors are Dirty. are may are. They might just be the second most exciting series now um, of this first round. But for sure, number one is OKC Mm -hmm. Portland. I mean, you had the back and forth. You had the buzzer beaters. uh, You had the thrilling going down to the clock, going down to zero on the clock, back and forth. Um, But the OKC holding a 15-point lead with 740 left in the fourth quarter and ends up just just ends up letting that go. And how does that happen? I'll tell you how. Russell Westbrook turnovers <laughs> and missed free throws and a buzzer beating three from way downtown that ends up uh, sealing the win for Portland. And this is how it all started. It starts with 7:40 left in the fourth quarter. OKC up 15. Leonard makes a three to bring it. Well, a couple of minutes actually. Let me let me rewind here and let's go back to where it starts when they're down only eight. So Leonard makes a three, down five. Westbrook answers back. 4:21 left and they go back to an eight point <laughs> lead. Harkless on the other end makes clutch free throws. Paul George comes back and misses his two free throws. So so they're only up six. Two minutes left. Had he made those two free throws, they're back up eight. Mm -hmm. And then Russell Westbrook drives early into the the shot clock. A charge. Ball goes the other (laughs) way. On the other side, Westbrook fouls Harkless. And this man makes two more clutch free throws. And CJ McCollum with that clutch floater off the off the backboard to bring the Portland Trailblazers 
closer to OKC Oof. and then begins what I call the sequence. Westbrook tied game. The Westbrook sequence. drives with 21 seconds and 15 seconds still left on the shot clock. So maybe you can make a strong argument that he drives way too early and he completely misses that layup. Damian Leonard gets the ball, 18 mm-hmm. seconds, no timeout is called. Dribbles past half court, one on one against Paul George, and just pulls step back, pulls back from way downtown and makes that shot. Um, and the press conference says a lot of back and forth, but that was the last word. Dang, what a game, man! This might this might be. I mean, before I talked about how the clip, there's no way you could have matched that Clippers game too on last week's podcast, but. Man, with this type of shot, with the the game on the line right here, so much drama between these two point guards and everything, you have to give it to this game, man. This this was the best game of the yeah. first round. Above anything else, above the Nuggets comeback, above the Clippers comeback, just the way it all happened, the way it went down, all the backstory with Lillard and Westbrook, man, like, holy Yeah, crap. I mean, I, you got to think, like, that might have been the best buzzer beater I've ever seen, like, on tv or like in person and i mean i've been watching the nba uh-huh. i would say since like 1998 now and yeah right <laughs> not that we remember like everything about like 1998 but yeah i mean yeah, it's got i mean you got the Derek fisher 0.4 buzzer beater the kobe Bryant buzzer beater uh the lebron james and against the Orlando Magic, but this one was just—it felt special. I mean, it could just be recency bias as well, but it was, it was yeah, it was just totally disrespectful. <laughs> winning the series, just and the confidence behind it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the fact that it was Damian Lillard too—it's like Fisher's shot was great. Rayon in Game Six um, on the Miami Heat also great, but. I mean, the, the just the fact that he did it in Paul George's face. And Paul George comes out afterwards saying, like, that was yeah. a bad shot. You know, like, I don't care what anybody says. That was a bad shot. But no one's going to talk about it. It's like, yeah, you're right. But yeah. it doesn't matter. And here's matter. the thing about that. <laughs> actually, Damian Leonard, if you look back on the footage, he made a shot really close to where he made that last one with 11 minutes in the fourth quarter. I looked back and noticed and I was like, wait, that shot looks eerie sim- similar to that game-winning shot. So is it a bad shot? Maybe, but maybe not because he might just yeah. be two for two in that game from that from that area. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, 100% <laughs> success rate, man. This is, this is so exciting, though, for Portland because everyone had already counted them out with Nurkic being out, but then no one foresaw CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard just mm-hmm. transcending any expectations that anyone had for them for these playoffs they have upped their game more than anybody yeah, I mean, else in the league right now and man that it's gonna be a scary whoever they go up against against the spurs or the nuggets man like the portland's gonna get the edge oh yeah totally teams, after seeing the way they played it makes you think that they're the favorite regardless of who they play in the second round i think like I mean, let's break these numbers down. Like, Damian Leonard in this playoff series yeah. averaged 33 points on 48% shooting from three, which is better than his overall field goal percentage <laughs> from two. So, yeah. And he also, alongside that, six assists and four rebounds. I mean, it's not oh a triple-double, but come on. 48% from three yeah. over the course of five games? That's uh, big, difficult man. five games. Um, and 
throwing exactly and then his, his running face. partner cj mccall in 24 <laughs> points 44 percent from three and 45 percent overall from the field like talk about efficiency here and cj mccall and also just kind of living in the shadows a little bit but he had himself one hell of a series as well and a shout out to the supporting cast as well mo harkless amino alfarico minu ennis Cantor. i mean maybe not hmm. eye-opening numbers 11 points 10 10 points a game and his canter at 13 points a game respectively. But uh, these guys did their thing. Hey, that's great. You all double digits. Yeah. All double digits from the supporting cast. I mean, when you have two guys that dominate the ball as much as Lillard and CJ, it's like, you, you don't expect that, but really the whole team has stepped up to the challenge. It's almost like they are yeah. all playing for Nurkic's pride and honor, you know, like it's funny too, because when they were down in the third quarter, Nurkic, um, it came out, he's like, he was sitting at home and he's like, I'm going to go to the game. And so he made it to the game by the fourth quarter. And that's when the comeback started. And so I guess Nurkic <laughs> has surprised. to be at the game. Man, that man should have been there right from the get go. <laughs> why was he at home? Uh, yeah, that is something too. It's like, why were, why were you at home? You know, like, under, like maybe, I don't know. You got to rest your foot or It's an uh, elimination know, game, man. But, Come on. You're up three, one. Yeah, yeah. It's let's. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad he at least made it out, but yeah, it's like, dude, be there the whole time next time. I, yeah. I'm sure he won't and miss another I gotta one. I got to bring this up again is Damian Leonard's second best point guard in the league right now today. And the, and the reason I bring this up is not just for mm-hmm. Damian Leonard, but for Russell Westbrook, man. What a regression we've seen, I think, not <sighs> only this season, but just this playoff series. I think if I had to name the the top point guards right now, top five at least, is you go Curry number one, Damian Leonard. Kyrie Irving, I go Chris Paul, and then I'm going Russell Westbrook. But, I mean, Kemba Walker, D'Angelo Russell, Number five. Uh, Bills, Ben Simmons, Jamal Murray. Like, these guys are coming. Like, they're coming, man. And mm-hmm. are we seeing a total regression yeah. from Westbrook now? <laughs> I mean, it was happening really throughout the whole year. He's still averaging his triple doubles, but his field goal numbers, his free throw numbers mm-hmm. all took huge dips. And we thought that he'd be able to pick it up for the playoffs, and he clearly couldn't. What was really telling in that game five was that his whole team was playing really well. The team shot over 60% from the field, and Westbrook (laughs) shot 11 of 31. And it's like, dude, why are you shooting 31 times? You have your whole team playing well with the... your backs to the wall and you're just up here chucking threes the same you have the entire season you never learned right i three point that final possession just i was just astonished that they went with westbrook i almost feel like every possession with two minutes to go should have just gone to paul george um i mean he drew that charge he fouled maurice harkless blew the layup i mean he blew two pretty good good looking layups in that fourth quarter one was a little bit earlier in the fourth but then that late fourth quarter layup i mean maybe he got hit a little bit um but still he had a good look yeah but that's the problem though is that like paul george i mean it's it's been said before he needs to be the leader on this team but he does not have the leader personality so he's just playing second fiddle to russell westbrook dodging media questions being very coarse to people in public it's just a bad look for this team, man. They're like trying right. to write themselves as villains at this point when Paul George was always seen as like one of the most stand up guys in the NBA. And it's like he's playing super well, but 
I can only imagine this type of locker room chemistry, this type of locker room personality only being a plague on his career for the rest of his, his time in OKC as long as Westbrook's Right, that is a that's a good point is Paul George has always been sort of like the underdog, the stand-up guy throughout his career. I mean, in Indiana, he was always the underdog against the, against the villain Miami Heat. Um, and then in OKC, even last year, they were seeing sort of the underdogs, the challengers to the Warriors. But now this year, total total role reversal for sure. Um, seeing more like the, the villains here. But back to Russell Westbrook, this playoff series, I looked back and this is his lowest playoff scoring average and field goal percentage. And I think it's no surprise after you just said 11 for 31. I mean, Russell Westbrook no came out here, averaged 21 <laughs> points on 36% shooting. <laughs> And thirty-two percent from three, uh, just not just not making quite the carry that he was making wow. the last uh, couple rounds in the playoffs. Especially last year, he had such a dominating uh, performance in the year before that. So OKC is in trouble a little bit here. They're heading into they, this year. They came in with the second highest payroll, most of the money dedicated moving forward to Paul George, Westbrook, Adams, Dennis Schroeder, Roberson, and Grant here with. Paul George at 33 million, Westbrook at 38, and Steven Adams at 25. So just within these three, I mean, you're this is you're looking at 60 plus uh, million being uh, solely dedicated to these three guys, and Dennis Schroeder right there at 15 million. So not much room for improvement here. I guess the, if you had to name an upside, is at least Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder, and Grant are all under 26, um, and you have a 5.6 million dollar mid-level exception next year, but. Outside of that, it's very little room you can make in terms of actual roster improvements. So I, I know one way that they can improve without How's having that? to change their That's roster. True. You could do that. You're going to have fire to do something coach. like that. The, Billy <laughs> Donovan is terrible. He is a terrible coach. I I have no idea why they brought him in. I mean, it's not like... Yeah, like maybe he is like a wash with Scott Brooks, but at the same time, it's like, man, you really thought that this guy was gonna be the one that was gonna lead this team to the finals? This he has just let Westbrook do whatever he wants these last three years, and the results have shown. Westbrook's career is great; he has a max contract for the next however many years, and you know it doesn't really matter to him at this yeah. point. I mean, he's gonna do whatever he wants, and you can't control a team like that as a coach. You have to have some sort of say. I mean, Westbrook's not LeBron James. He can't coach the team, and his demeanor doesn't show like match LeBron's at all. And so you're looking at Billy Donovan like this is you've had your chances, man. Last two right, years, and I mean Russell Westbrook is also not the round. best player in the league. Like LeBron James, I mean, you gotta be able to make lineup changes. Like I almost want, like I know yeah. it seems kind of silly. Like Charles Barkley mentioned this after the game yesterday. He said, maybe it's time to move Westbrook to the point guard. And I feel like that's a point that's been brought up a lot of times. And it seems silly, but it also seems to make sense basketball-wise. Um, why not bring Dennis Schroeder and have him run the point like a traditional point guard and have Russell Westbrook attack off the ball? Yeah, move mm. Russell Westbrook at oh, the Westbrook two. But it almost shooting. seems like at 30 years old now for Russell Westbrook, it might be too late to make a drastic lineup change like that or offensive strategic change. Well, it's certain no, none of these drastic changes are going to happen under Billy Donovan too. Like he's just got to go. 
Like that. This is really like when you think about it. If you're OKC, it's like we have to change something. We can't change our roster. Right. So let's get rid of the guy. Yeah, and he has one more year left on his contract here. So I guess you'll just have to bite that and pay the man and bring in try to bring in somebody else. But if you're looking at the coaching landscape right now. It's competitive. We're, I mean, we just talked about the Phoenix Suns looking for somebody new. The Lakers are looking for somebody new. Um, it's it's going to get competitive out there right now. Yeah, man. If, if they could get Monty Williams, that would look really nice, honestly. But I don't even know who else is available, honestly. Yeah, I, and you know, the coaching market. I don't know. Maybe you do do right. something drastic like trade Steven Adams to bring in some shooters, but... Uh, that doesn't seem good either at all. But, I mean, heading coming out of this regular yeah. season, they were 22nd in three-point shooting, which is an improvement from last year. And two years ago, they were dead last in three-point shooting. So that's an improvement too. <laughs> but they're still <laughs> yep, oh, good. still bottom yeah. 50. They're still in the bottom 50 still percentile bottom in terms of that shooting. So they're going to need some things to go their way. And Sam Presti's going to have to use some of that creative magic to try to improve this team. And on the other side, is Portland is headed to the second round. And I think they got a bright spot because one guy is coming off the books after next year, and that's Evan Turner at $17 million. I can... That is... <laughs> that is the best like, this thing. This team has just oh made gosh. some noise, and they just got to <laughs> keep it together. And they we might be looking at the next Dallas Mavericks here who just maintain that core and just keep it steady and then eventually break through yeah maybe i love when teams like this work i love it you know it's like lillard and mccallum have been loyal to portland they didn't try to leave anywhere they didn't try to complain about bringing in another guy yeah. it's just great chemistry there man. exactly it's evan turner is getting paid more than dennis schroeder getting paid more than julius randall nicole Miritic, and the list goes on and on if you get any of those guys uh-huh. on portland yeah. Well, that's... Oh, yeah. So many. Yeah. <laughs> Such a big improvement. Evan Turner, man. Does he, does I mean, he play for that? I didn't even notice if he played in this series Yeah, he's in not. there, but he's definitely he probably not part did, of the but core I, guys. I, I mean, know. I'd say Seth Curry is. Yeah, Seth Curry is more of a he core guy. He definitely didn't do anything. Uh, yeah. Seth Curry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd rather have yeah. Jake Lane. Well, let's go Raptors Magic. So Raptors closed the Magic out in what was a ridiculous game five and – the, the the craziest part about this game was yeah. just how long it took for the Orlando Magic to score more than 10 points as a team. Like, they were de- they only had seven points with 2.30 to go. <laughs> they had three points with five minutes to go in the first. Like, it's crazy, man. Like, I was like, wow, Orlando Magic is really going to be held under I- 10 points before the end of this quarter. But they, I think Toronto <laughs> felt bad for them. Yeah. Right. They had a couple the good Raptors baskets and ended up, up closing the bit. first quarter yeah. with like 19 points, <laughs> which is still a little bit, but it's respectable. Oh, good for that. Hey, yeah, that's that's not bad. But, yeah, I think the Raptors, on the other hand, scored 35. Yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, I just can't believe the Magic even won a game in this series. It's just uh, – I don't – yeah, it's baffling to me, like – they should have gotten swept so easily. The Raptors just gave them one to start it off. Kyle Lowry gave them one. And this this team barely deserved to make the playoffs. Should have been the Heat. Yeah, the Heat would have put up a way better fight than this team. I have team no idea what, what happened there. But DJ Augustine is probably what happened. Uh, but now you have some big questions heading into the offseason for the Magic. Let's, like, 
Do you oh resign Vucevic? <laughs> I mean, this man averaged 20 points and 12 rebounds. Do you give him a, a decent-sized contract here? And is Aaron Gordon still your future? <laughs> no big improvements from him other than, uh, like, maybe the defensive side you could make an argument for. I mean, for. so my <laughs> – Yeah, so my opinion on Vucevic is that they don't want to re-sign him, but I don't think they're going to be able to because he's going to want to go somewhere else. Like, we saw what this Magic team's capable of. Not very much. And their ceiling is not very high when you think about it. And Vucevic doesn't want to go to an actual <laughs> contender. Aaron Gordon is not your future, and he never should have been because the dude is so average. Yeah, Like, it's crazy how average he is for how athletic he is. Like he should be so much better. This this is a big man, a six foot ten guy that can dunk from basically the free throw line and shoot a three pointer, and he makes so little impact on the game. It's it's so absurd. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Like he has all the tools. Yeah, I agree with needed you. Needed to be and a star this in this season. League, it does seem silly, but I still got to think there's a breakthrough coming for this guy. Um, yeah, I'm not ready to give up on him just yet. I mean, he, he regressed from 17 points a game last year to 16 points this year. Really no improvements across uh, efficiency percentages. But like I said, um, his defensive rating has improved slightly. But outside of that, I mean, yeah, you're looking at average points from an NBA starter or NBA power forward here. Um, and he's getting paid franchise money at this point. So there's a, they're, they're betting big on him. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what happens. Yeah, that's what happens when you you have all this money, and no one to sign in the free agency. You just have to go with the guys that you've been going with. I mean, it's I mean, we're going to have to see what the Magic even I I foresee the Magic not making them not even getting close to making the playoffs next year cuz I don't think Vucevic is going to resign with them. And I don't think they're going to get anyone big in free agency, so no, but the thing is, Vucevic was not even very good in this playoff series. Like he was, he was nothing. He didn't. I don't remember him like even doing much at all. He just got bodied <laughs> by Marcus Saul, by Serge Ibaka, by Pascal Siakam. Like he he did nothing in this series. I mean, DJ Augustine yeah, DJ was probably the best for player money, on man. this he's team. Trying to, he's trying to get his next NBA contract. <laughs> I know, but Vucevic was too, man. Vucevic was playing for money too, and he put up dud after dud. He didn't. I didn't see a textbook Vucevic performance to the tune of his average in the regular season of twenty point eight points, twelve yeah. boards a game. I'd love to he see Vucevic on another team. Honestly, once. I uh, I just don't think he can be your best player. But if you have him as your third or second option, you're a good team. You're you're solid. Like as a third yeah. option, right? It's yeah, he <laughs> Yeah, he showed that he can't be the first option. Like he yeah. when I pressure came Portland in the playoffs, crazy, he shied away like, from it. Like you know? and Evan Turner get rid of some cap space and then resign and, and then sign Vucevic. Oh. <laughs> sign Vucevic. Wow. I don't think they That's do true. Nurkic like that. They like yeah. him too much. And I'd like to see deal. Vucevic like you've mentioned on another weeks, on a yeah. just a home better team, but I'm trying to think <laughs> Oh, <laughs> bring him to there the is Lakers, a need for man. A man. Bring down him the to middle. the Lakers. I... You wouldn't like that, Vucevic at, at the Dude, five. That would be twenty-eight. Nice. That would with be LeBron, really nice. You get one more guy. That yeah, might be pretty nice. Yeah, th- with LeBron. 
The thing is just that would be nice. What is overspending? That would on be Busevich? really because nice. This man still, still. I mean, you can't ignore the injury history he has. Yeah, but I mean, he fills he a lot of. He he checks a lot of boxes for the Lakers' needs. It might be worth the risk. For four I might years? give him like a twenty-five go, million dollar deal. Like really? I don't know about that. I might. Yeah. Maybe you give him. I might go two years, like a, twenty million. It's a team option for the fourth. I year, go maybe, two years. You know, three three years. Twenty guaranteed. million. Two years, twenty-two. Two years, how much? Yeah. A year? Oh no, no! I don't think he'll go. Okay, uh, I thought you were giving him. If 11 he goes for eleven million, million heck like, yeah, I'm whoa, picking him that, up. But I doubt Julius it. Randall he's looking, he's <laughs> probably looking for upwards of twenty plus a year. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this guy's going to look for a longer-term deal True. because he, well, he knows his on. own injury history, too. You know, he wants yeah. to guarantee his own yeah, money. We, I feel like we could talk. And there's going to be teams out there. Talk about Busevic yeah, for, for – sure. but let's go. <laughs> yeah, Celtics complete the sweep yeah, of the yeah, Pacers. Yeah. So the Pacers didn't quite put up the it. fight that I was hoping they would. I thought this was going to be a grueling, dirty series, but it ended up just being a great team effort from the Celtics. Uh, just finishing off a um, – an Indiana Pacer team that was really missing Victor Odalipo or somebody to help them close games because they were there for two, but just couldn't really quite seal the deal here. Yeah, the thing is, though, with this, you sure. mentioned they didn't fight. They were fighting every game. Game one, they were leading at halftime. Game two, they were in it too. Game four was as close as they can get honestly, and they were winning a lot of that game. They were fighting. The problem was, and we mentioned it last week, they have no one to close a game. They have no one they can rely on. And it showed <laughs> immensely in this series. I mean, they only reached 100 points once, I think. Which, I mean, you could you could say, yeah, the Celtics played amazing right. defense, but also the Pacers ha- don't have anyone to go to, you know? So, yeah, they totally missed Odalipo. But, yeah, I think you got to run it back with this team, man. If you have that guy, that go-to guy, that all-star player, this team becomes all of a sudden extremely dangerous. And, man, I, yeah, I got to think, think the Pacers so. I wonder if the Pacers can get themselves some Odalipo sort of injury exception to get a little bit more cap space for their team and maybe bring somebody in since you know you're, you're not going to have Odalipo all of next year. But, man, the Celtics just dodged a bullet here by getting paired up with the Pacers in the first round. Yeah, now they're in the second round, and I just cannot help but feel that they're undeservingly <laughs> oh, so in the second round. And I'm not ready to say that the Celtics have turned a corner. I still think the uh, Bucks are going to win this in like yeah, five games. But <laughs> Yeah, the True. thing is, though, this Celtics team did what they had to do. You know, They swept a team that they should beat every single game. Something the Raptors didn't do. Something the Sixers didn't do. So you got to give them credit. Jalen Brown stepped up in the last two games in uh, Marcus Smart's absence. He averaged 18 points a game. Um, that's a lot higher than his average. And honestly, like Kyrie Irving isn't playing the hero ball that like guys like Russell Westbrook are playing. Um, nobody's mm-hmm. really being selfish. Horford actually had the most shots on the team in game four. Um, so you're just looking at a team that seems like it's – Figuring it out a little bit and is gaining sure. a lot of confidence from sweeping a Pacers team that fought them hard every game, uh, and they ended up coming out on top. So, I, I, I this Bucks Celtics series is going to be really fun because the Celtics do have a lot of guys mm. that can guard Giannis 
oh, like better than most teams can. Um, they can switch a lot. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Marcus Morris. These, uh, these are all guys that can guard Giannis at some point in the game. Yeah, um, using their length and they're they're all yeah, pretty much equally that's sized. That's gonna be an interesting um, series. All able to spread um, the floor really. I mean, well. the the regular season games all came. One of them came down to the wire. I mean, I think it was one off a buzzer beater, right? Um, I just don't. I don't know what to think of it. But my gut feeling mm-hmm. tells me that game, that series is yeah. only gonna go five games. I just don't. I think. I think that Celtic offense is just gonna be disturbed by the just yeah. the amount of length on the Bucks team, like. This team looks good. And Giannis looks godlike <laughs> out there on the basketball court right now. All Harf. Right. Oh, and they yeah. just got Miritic back. And Miritic looks like he and got they don't his even legs have Malcolm back under Brogdon. him through the Pistons series. So hopefully he's back to 100% um, mm. right here for, for against the Celtics. And, I mean, I was just looking through that through that series for the Bucks And Brooke Lopez shooting like 38%. Um like all these guys are just shooting ridiculously good. Like uh, Chris Middleton, well over forty percent from three. Like this team is ready. They're <laughs> they're scary good. Yeah. Yeah, they got something to prove, man. They're no longer just this young team up and coming. Like they're here. You know, they won sixty games in the regular season, and they're showing is no fluke. Uh, but just to touch on the Pacers briefly now, just looking at what they've got coming up. They only have a few players left that are important on their roster going into free agency. I mean, they're keeping Odalipo, of course, but then McDermott, Sabonis, Miles Turner, TJ Leaf, and Aaron Holiday are the only other players really on contract for them. So if you're the Pacers, are you going to be able to pay like Thaddeus Young, Bogdanovich, Darren Collison, Tyreek Evans, Corey Joseph, Wesley Matthews, like all huge rotation guys for this team that plays basically nine ten deep every game and that's like their yeah, style of basketball and i think a lot of it gonna be able that to is gonna have to do with back. the marketplace i mean does book ken bogdanovic go out there and get more money than he's been used to i mean thaddeus young has turned a corner i mean bogdanovic has just been steadily improving year after year yeah. he is getting a little bit on the older side but i gotta think i mean the way the teams need shooters like i bet okc is willing to give this man as much money as they can um <laughs> mid-level exception right so five million but i mean this guy's i, I feel like he's gonna exception. be in demand just for at least even for just a year or two so yeah. if you're the pacers depending on how the market plays out for you you might have to just call mm-hmm. this a lost yeah, year definitely. and just uh just roll with that core that you have up there and hopefully just go to the lottery until victor Odolipo comes back because you do have youth on your side with doug mcdermott Sabonis, and miles turner and these guys are just going to get better i think at least for the next um, the next two years every year that goes by i think these guys are just going to keep getting better right yep right i mean yeah Odolipo still he's gotta be like only 26 still yeah he's got a lot of years left under him so i wouldn't panic if i was the pacers but it's gonna be a rough off season for them they 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 had a good chance of yeah. going making a good playoff run this year before the injury yeah i mean if you can get um Bogdanovic yeah, and Thaddeus Young, and bring them back on. but if i would not overpay these guys um and it sucks like mm-hmm. no yeah and i definitely wouldn't overpay for like yeah Tyreek i would Evans, not i would make Corey that Joseph, young priority one like, Bogdanovic priority two and, and someone else and see where it goes but if you're gonna re-sign them for like four-year contracts and mm-hmm. really pay go into the salary cap for these guys it might not be worth it if you don't if you actually don't get Odolipo back 
Um, not next year, but the year after that, because that injury is pretty yeah. severe. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Tough stuff. And then uh, going to another sweep in the East, we can just touch on this one really quickly because there's not much to say. Yeah. This the was... Bucks completing their sweep of the Pistons to go up against the Celtics next round. Man, was this the most lopsided matchup don't in playoff these history? Because they're just so bad. But <laughs> but I mean, with no Blake Griffin there, yeah. the first two games, like some of these one v eight. Yeah, at least for that for first half of the series, it must have been like that. Ball, that Pistons squad without Blake Griffin is just as good as I don't know the Washington Wizards. The <laughs> like it, it's a bad team. Like it's a team that doesn't even get forty percent wins. <laughs> yeah. I think. Um, <laughs> Seriously, it's bad. Though. It's bad. But I gotta think yeah. there's got there, there. I feel like there was an Eastern Conference matchup right. out there that was even worse than this. <laughs> like one of those years that like the Charlotte Hornet or the yeah the Charlotte Bobcats somehow sneaked into the playoffs. What? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely up there for sure. But for this series, I I just gotta give some props to Blake Griffin for like going out there on his bum knee and actually playing pretty well, all things considered, not that it mattered at all in this series. And I mean, you saw the Pistons fighting a little bit in that last game. Uh, we're pretty much even with the bucks at halftime and the bucks just ended up pouring it on in the second half, but he came out there and he fought for his team, man. And 25, 20, basically 25 points a game, six rebounds, six assists oh, no. on that knee getting surgery on it two days later that's how bad it was he got surgery on it two days later it's insane like now now he's gonna just gonna recover for the offseason but class act um handled that trade from la well uh, really embraced the city of detroit the city loves him they're chanting mvp at the end of that game four game when they when they took him out for his last foul and man <laughs> he's he's embraced the city and he's brought them a playoff uh, appearance, honestly, which is yeah. not something they, they were looking at for when uh, before they traded for him. So yeah, that was a humbling yeah, experience I mean, Blake I, for him, and I awesome think he'll job. take this like, in his career, him, and he'll he'll learn to look at the bright side of things. Uh, but what a what a what a sour note for the Pistons, who were holding on to that sixth seed for a long time in that playoff race throughout the regular season. So for them to finish eighth and just completely get swept like this, what a sour note and. This team, man, talk about creativity from the general manager yeah. side. Like this is the ultimate challenge here, just as well. Like at least in OKC, you got two top ten players. <laughs> well, I mean, you guess you can make the argument that Westbrook <laughs> may and may not. <laughs> hey, let's 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 say what? Yeah, I think Westbrook. Yeah, so you, I would say safely, you at least have two top twenty players completely. on your on your roster, but the Pistons. Spending just as much, almost just as yeah, much. Sure. Don't even have mm-hmm. one player close to well, Andre Drummond. Nah. Yeah. For, for maybe more than Drummond? maybe one. No, I'd say Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin might be a top twenty player. Okay. He played so okay. Well. So oh, maybe yeah. you have yeah, Drummond, one in the top twenty. He's and so the rest of your supporting cast is just not good. No youth. No youth. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Reggie Jackson, though. Okay, you got hey, that they guy. Have, they have uh, very Steve little Kyle youth. Luke. You don't got a good draft pick. 
there's really He's it's bad young. to tank <laughs> i mean considering the amount of money you're spending you might be the most expensive tanking team <laughs> in the history maybe somehow you top the wizards but it's tough to move forward as this franchise right now yeah <laughs> yeah somehow there yeah i i just don't i just don't see a positive for these guys moving forward it's gonna be rough going for the next few years and that that's like honestly why the Clippers traded Blake Griffin because they knew that his huge contract was gonna anchor them down for a while, and so they needed to get out from under that, and they succeeded. And yeah, it's not like even Blake just Griffin's team, an awesome player. Yeah, another all, knee surgery for Blake like, Griffin. Wow, we can't really do anything with this roster. I know. Yeah, that's the worst part is the injuries continue to pile up for this man. But like he's got the surgery now. I don't so know, man. I'm- do you I think just, there's hope that he's just ready just for next season? I'm just going to say I think so. Like, I think he'll still be out there, but chances say that he's. it's only a matter of time before he goes down yet again. So hopefully he can at least give you 60 games, 65, um, before he goes down. But he'll yeah. be there. He'll be there. <laughs> yeah, but Sixers taking care of the Nets 4-1. to one. And the only yeah. thing I got to say about this series is just how, theat- how theatrically funny this whole series was. So many egos being uh, just <laughs> blown up and people offended by God knows what. <laughs> but it was just, yeah, but it was the ejection series. I mean, you had Jared Dudley, Jimmy Butler, ejected game <laughs> four. An almost fight between a 33-year-old Jared Dudley and 22-year-old Joel Embiid. We were talking about an 11-year age gap. Come on, man. What's going on here? Oh, man. <laughs> Two, and, and it almost looked like the 22-year-old was the more the mature one because the after the game, he gave a pretty mature response. I think he said, hey, that guy's a nobody. You know, I'm important <laughs> to my team. I can't allow myself to get into, shen- like, along the lines of shenanigans like that. Um, so it seems. No, I... I would hardly call Joel Embiid mature, though. Fair. So let's I'm not, not going to call him mature, but I'll say I was surprised <laughs> this, this that guy that mature statement. The biggest troll uh, in the NBA. Of, I mean, I guess he did attack Jared Dudley, calling him a nobody. <laughs> Obviously, he knows the man's name, but it's still like, yeah, yeah. I mean, Joel Embiid is worth more to 76ers than Jared Dudley is to the <laughs> uh, Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. But alongside that, that, that end last game, game five, 76ers reserve Jonah Bolden and Nets rookie uh, Ronis Karukas. Both just got alter, uh, both into an altercation, <laughs> went up into each other's face like they were going to fight. And we all know they were not going to really swing at each other. But anyways, both ejected. Oh and then later, Greg Monroe and Nets rookie. I don't even know how to pronounce this man's yeah. name. Dizanan Des, Musa also ejected. I mean, just a bunch of truly Zanan? nobodies here. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I didn't even know who that is. It Who seems is that? like it seems. Yeah, is he? He's played on the At some Nets point, before. Yes. They just pick him up. Yeah. Oh, he's a rookie. But I'm, oh, he's a, so they drafted him. What? the Yeah, heck? I mean the series was over. I mean Holy this crap. game game five started <laughs> yeah, with the seventy sixers with, with tw- having a twenty two to two lead and just never looking back. Yeah. Um, yeah, the closest thing to a to a client a, a, a like a high point in this game was just <laughs> these fights between Jonah. Our uh, Karukas, Greg Monroe, and Musa. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that's I mean, hey, we all love a good a good brawl um in our playoff games, right. but in the net like for Jared Dudley's point, I he knows what he is doing. We all know what he was doing. It's like he knows that he's not as important to his team as like Jimmy Butler is to the 76ers. So he's like, I'm going to sacrifice myself for the greater good. And honestly, it almost yeah. worked. Game four was super close. Like, I think the Sixers only won by four points. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, um, the Nets were definitely fighting Jimmy back, and that game ejected. four was really close, and there was a couple errors here and there that, that if the ball would have gone their way, they probably would have walked away with a win. But game five was just not much of a fight. And, I mean, ultimately, they got kind of lucky to even have won game one with the injury to Joel Embiid and sort of like the bad performance from Jimmy Butler and Simmons. Oh, my God. Right. And I guess right. there is a bright yeah, that's spot why here the only for one the they Brooklyn Nets. You're looking at Spencer play. Dinwiddie averaging 15 points for the series. Caris LeVert, 21 points for the series. And D'Angelo Russell at 19 points. You got your three-headed guard monster. But you got an interesting and big question here is, do you offer D'Angelo Russell that max? Or do you let mm-hmm. him go into the open market and allow a bid war to start off for D'Angelo Russell and just try to match it? Since he will be a restricted free agent this summer for you, mm. offer him the max. I think that's really easy. This is a kid that no one expected to be this improved this year. Probably gonna finish second overall in most improved player of the year awards. And this, this honestly, there's no ceiling for this kid right now. No one knows how good D'Angelo Russell can actually be. I don't think this is his peak yet. I, I've always been a believer in D'Angelo Russell. Oh, man. He's got it's a little so more work risky. to do. And I think he's going to get I, there. And that's going to be worthy of a max contract. Right. It's not that risky when you think about it. Like, he's, he's what, 23 years old? And he's already playing this well? And you, you imagine him going into his mid to late 20s as yeah, the leader I mean, of this team, man? I got to oh, say, man. he's a top I, you eight cannot pass that up. Right you cannot let that walk. In the league. The potential 23. is so great. The injuries are what scares me a little bit. That and those knees. Right. And is that not worth a max? Right. That's yeah. Worth... No. You can, I, that's a tough thing, man. This really. is a tough discussion. He's the only one or maybe it's healthy, not as tough honestly. as I think it's pretty tough, and maybe others out there don't. But I'm not so sure, man. I kind of almost want am curious to let him go to the open market, and then as long as you can still match, see hey. see see what it, see how high it goes. No, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess since you're a restricted free agent, like you might as well just match whatever is offered, because like he's gonna want to stay. I think he likes it in Brooklyn. So, yeah, I guess yeah, since you're restricted, you don't need to offer the max. But I mean, he will probably get the max because there's so much money out there this year for a guy like that. That's max worthy. And you, you're talking about a top eight point guard. Let's look at the other point guards above him: Curry, Max, Lillard, Max. Irving's going to get a max at the, in this offseason. Paul has a max. Westbrook right. has a max. So the cutoff Kemba would start Walker's there if there get is a max. no max given and to Ben D'Angelo Simmons Russell. is still on a rookie contract. And the cutoff would start there. It's like if you're talking about Russell being right, right there. Well, maybe the Lakers like, try well, to bring this man back he's from gonna a more get expensive damn deal than they originally had him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but oh, we'll see how yeah. that plays Magic out. But the Rockets gone. Maybe off, he'll maybe he'll forgive us. <laughs> Four to one. I think. 
Yeah, a two-game blowout, and at least the last three becoming competitive. And actually, this game, this game five, actually was pretty competitive, but just consecutive turnovers from the Utah Jazz side and the Houston Rockets just really PJ Tucker specifically putting knocking down some big three pointers to put the Jazz away here. Uh, But I think if there's something to take away here is the Jazz might have figured out Harden. They held him down to 36% shooting all series, Um, even gave him a couple duds there. But still, the Houston Rockets walked away with wins um, against the Jazz. So I don't know what to think. Do you think here, does this show just how much more dangerous this Houston Rockets team is than last year or than than we thought? Right. Well, I think it's as dangerous as last year's. And last year's was potentially a championship winning team. Um, if a few shots go a certain way, obviously, but they held him to thirty six points a game or thirty six percent field goals and right. honestly held him uh the lower points per game than in the regular season, which is honestly a success, even though he's still got a lot of points. But I mean you're talking about guys like Chris Paul and Clint Capella stepping up and James Harden is so good at making decisions with the ball. Right. He he's able to make that huge difference in the game without having to make the shots, you know? Like I think it was in game 4 when he started like 0 of 14 or maybe his game 3 started 0 of 14 from the field before making a shot and the Rockets were still winning the game. And it's just like Right. I mean if you if, that, if Damian if Lillard shot case, 36% in like, one of those games do? against you know, OKC, so they probably lose that game. Right, so the fact that the Houston Rockets were able to oh, convincingly sure. win yeah. two especially and then really down the were, stretch like, win a couple, five. three of the the other two more, um, it's really impressive. I was really impressed with the Houston Rockets, and I was really disappointing in the jazz, disappointed in the Jazz. I mean, the defensive effort was there, but offensively, this team looked even worse than it did last year, worse than it did in the regular season, mm-hmm. and it just looked like a team that, man, it's. It did not look like the team we all thought was going to be in the uh, in the summer. Like I feel like such a fool. I thought that in the summer that maybe it was possible that the Jazz were the second best team in the West, um, and now they look like they were. <laughs> now they don't look like they're even deserving of the fifth seed. Like it almost seems oh, like they got lucky. Yeah, that's right. <sighs> yeah. Well, the thing is. Yeah, the th- the thing is, they just didn't improve, you know? Ingles did not improve this year. Gobert did not improve this year. Ricky Rubio regressed this year. Mitchell, he could go either way. Right. He was less efficient. Um, he's still scoring a decent amount of points, but this team didn't improve. They just stayed the course. And Right, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, 35% shooting through game, the series, 32% really from three. They're only scoring five series. points in game five. And then uh, that was just... Just a bad performance, back-to-back turnovers to try to close that game and and bring the team because they were only down two with a minute thirty to go in this game five and just three consecutive turnovers, uh, not even able to get a shot up to try to fight for try to fight to get that to try to tie this game up and ultimately the Rockets just won at the free throw line. Oh. Um, I mean, just as a whole, the Utah team twenty-seven percent shooting from three, forty percent field goal shooting. A team that only crossed 100 points two out of the five games just struggled mightily offensively. And you want to bring up Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles was horrible. This is the worst I've ever seen this man play 
Averaged 5 points on 32% shooting versus last year. He averaged 15 points against OKC on 47% <laughs> shooting. So either Utah got bad, got worse, the Rockets are really good, or maybe, and this is a thought that I had, maybe the OKC and the Utah Jazz series of last year wasn't really worth the hype. Like Maybe those teams were really a lot worse than we ultimately thought they were. Uh, oh man it's so hard to say yeah you might have a point there (laughs) and yeah joe ingles is so interesting like it seemed like such a fluke that he was like a really good player last year (laughs) because you're like this guy does not he looks like not like an nba player i'll just say like he yeah yeah, it's like he's like just lumbering around out there just looks super slow and slow mo joe is the nickname there and it's like, man, he just doesn't even look in shape. You know, it's like, how how is this man making such an impact? And I mean, <laughs> I clearly they, they were able to shut him down. I wasn't really paying attention to, like, how much defense they were playing on Joe Ingles. Uh, I imagine P.J. Tucker had something to do with this. Uh, maybe throw Daniel House Jr. at him, but, like, whatever, you know. Like, he just had a bad series. And, I mean, Derek Favors was kind of the guy that – Showed right, up for them a little Ricky bit. Ricky Rubio wasn't until day, game five. He probably Capella had a decent game. He was also just Rico really Bear, rarely to too. be found. It was. Yeah, yeah dude. exactly. So, I mean, now we see OKC go down. Yeah, Ricky Rubio was even the Jazz go down. Like, I mean, oh, yeah, OKC go down jazz. four to one. Jazz <laughs> go down four to one. It just makes me think that these two teams might have just been the most overhyped Western Conference teams of the last two years. Like, mm-hmm. like they might have. Yeah, like these two teams might have just always been destined to be first round yeah, exits, even crazy, though, though we thought I, the I Jazz were going to so be maybe more. a top three team, the OKC be a top three team, and oh. <laughs> yeah, you almost convinced me. You were so close. I was like, man, this Jazz team, gosh, how they always exceed expectations, and now right, like I don't think Jazz would have been any, like if you change the, the standings the a little bit, like. They don't Not beat the Trailblazers either. I don't think they beat. Yeah. Dare I say, do they even lose to the Spurs? Yeah, they don't they beat the Trailblazers. The I doubt <laughs> they beat the Nuggets. Yeah. Yeah, probably. They probably yeah. lose to the Spurs. Because, I mean, talking about the Spurs, I mean, that that's still a series. Uh, Denver's leading that one 3-2, to two, though. Um, man, I thought the Spurs were going to handily take care of this one, but... Denver's won two in a row. They've beat the Spurs by an average of 16 points a game in the last two, and it seems like they've figured it out just in the middle of the series. You know, we've got three games of playoff experience. All right, we're ready. Let's let's start taking names. Freaking Jokic and Murray, these young bloods. Just, I mean, Jokic averaging a near What'd triple say, double man? like he was in the regular season, Dem- and Ma- Murray averaging. They got a lot of weapons. They got a lot of weapons too. These young dudes, man. <sighs> I know, I know, but they do. I just did not believe in the experience yet. I mean, I, I my point was proven through the first three games. The Spurs were winning two to one. I was like, okay, like it's exactly like I thought, but I didn't think they'd grow up like right before our eyes. It's like it's like when Ash Ketchum has this his, is like, exactly it. the, jo- the, the Joker, Jokic. He's an MVP you know? candidate, man. Give this <laughs> man some respect immediately. Jamal Murray is looking at Westbrook, and he's like, I'm I'm hunting for you. I'm going for that fifth top point guard spot. Um, I mean, he's got other guys fighting for, alongside him as well, but Jamal Murray, man, 
he puts up mm. some some brilliant games and he also puts up some duds but luckily as of recently he's helped the Denver take that 3-2 lead right now um and the Spurs I mean they got LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan but they just don't have enough out there to really challenge the depth of the Denver Nuggets once they're all clicking like when Gary Harris Will Barton uh the dudes off the bench are all clicking it's it's tough to be it's tough to challenge them if you're the Spurs Right, and I mean, speaking of Gary Harris, now that he's in the starting lineup and finally playing like Gary Harris, uh, that's just another piece right there. It's like they have a lot of things going their way right now, and they all <laughs> seem to be stepping up, which, I mean, you got to credit Michael You can't Malone, take that into consideration, but if you did, I mean. Doc Rivers <laughs> beating the Warriors twice so far. What the heck? But I'm taking that into consideration, I, man. This is insane what Doc Rivers is doing. I don't even think Denver could take the Warriors to six games. But, I mean, yeah, credit Mike Malone for really turning this around for this team that, I mean, in game two, honestly, if they lost that game two and they were down 19 points, they could have easily just big win here. Um, How about Isaiah Thomas, man? I made the guess that this guy would would get to 10 minutes at some point in this series. And looks like that's not happening unless he plays 40 minutes in uh, game six. <laughs> this is so sad, man. He's literally the only player that is in every game been a DNP. It's coach risky, man. It's risky like, against the, oh, Spurs the team, rest so. of the team has at least gotten a couple seconds of playing time. But like, man, you're, you've been winning yeah, by an average of sixteen points a game the last two point, games. Maybe, Put Isaiah but, Thomas in for some yeah. playoff basketball, man. This is the least you can do for him. Right. So we're headed now to game six here. What do you think? You There's think Denver no closes it out in it. San Antonio or are we they're going to a game seven? Uh, it's got to go game seven. The series has been way too close between yeah. these teams. My honestly. prediction was six like games. You're, you're Denver finishes Antonio, it off in San Antonio and I'm going to stick Popovich by that. going to pull out everything he's got. Yeah, I'm sticking with it. The Ooh, you got to stick with it. Yeah, that. no way. <laughs> I still, I still think this first could win the series in seven. I, I still, I, I still got to stick with. I that. was a little worried. I have to, but nah, those worries I are gone. Too Joe much to go back on my Jamal bet Murray, right now. twenty-five <laughs> points. Gary Harris, sixteen points. Close the series. Paul Millsap, a near double-double. Let's go, Denver. <laughs> uh Hey man, just wait. The Spurs. The, once the Spurs figure out their three-point shooting, they'll be all right. The last two games. I mean, five of seventeen in game yeah. four, seven of so twenty-four. So final thought in game here five. to close the podcast this is a team that off. The well, in really don't have any final season, thought, so but I have to think just want to say a shout out to Damian Leonard. It looks like this man's got some rest time, and hopefully he doesn't cool down too much uh, from his fire series he had against OKC here. But it looks like he might have. More than a week off here with uh, with the Denver Spurs series extending a little bit more. But in the second round, Sean, what are you looking most forward to? Which round? Which series here from the ones we know? (laughs) 
I'm really looking oh, forward man, that's to still gotta uh, happen. the Clippers I gotta say, series. I gotta say, somehow I'm still, uh, <laughs> if I'm looking at one really that I'm pretty excited matchup. about so far from what's been set in stone, it's the Bucks Celtics. <laughs> I actually am curious to see how that's going to play out. Yeah, these Eastern, yeah, these Eastern Conference ones mm-hmm. are interesting because the, the best four teams made it. So now it's like, who's going to take it? Will <laughs> yeah, Joel and Toronto, play more than 20 minutes a game? Here or are they going to be Doesn't even matter. He's still going to average 25 See? and 12 no matter what. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in week in and week out on the Second Stringers NBA podcast. We'll, we'll see. Have a good week, everybody.